Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Hallelujah. We're growing around the Word tonight, continuing in uh, the message that we started Sunday night about preparing for faith. And join me in Mark 11, and we'll just recap a moment so that we can... um, pick up where we left off. I like my pause button. Y'all, I got a pause button right here. And when I, I get to a place, you know, and I know we don't want don't to overflow it, we'll just pause and let it soak in, and then we'll come back and, and marinate some more. Mark 11, Jesus is teaching us on faith as I hit my unpause here. Uh, Mark 11, Jesus in verse 22 gives the instruction, have faith in God. And he gives this instruction in response to the disciples' reaction to seeing what happened to the fig tree. You know, the day before they had come through, and there was a fig tree that had leaves on it. And a fig tree with leaves on it, that is an advertisement that there's fruit under the leaf. But Jesus walked over. It says he reached for it because he was hungered. And he reached for it, and there was no fruit there. And because it was false advertisement. He was advertising fruit, but there was none. It was unproductive. Jesus said, no man eat fruit of you again from here and and forever. And so he cursed the tree. He cursed that unproductive thing in his life. And so he walked away and the disciples I'm sure wondered what was that all about because they were looking at the tree when they came back through the next day. They were looking at it. They were investigating and they were astonished. It surprised them. They marveled at what had happened to the tree. They marveled because exactly what Jesus said was what they saw. It was beginning to wither and dry up from the root system. And they said, Jesus, Master, look at the tree. And this is why Jesus said, have faith in God. And when, when we think have faith in God, just believe God. Just, just, just put it all on him. Have faith in God. But other translations help a little bit with that understanding because other translations bring out Operate the faith of God. Use the faith of God. Hallelujah. Can you show me, I think, what does the message say? I thought I liked the message at one point. I know we have message there if you could pull up on verse 22. But the fact that he goes in the next verse and describes how to operate the faith of God. Hallelujah. Embrace this God life, really embrace it, and nothing will be too much for you. Hallelujah. That's not the one I was thinking that it was. But I like that. Embrace this God life. In other words, you embrace this. You can do this. So he's, he says, have faith in God. Use the faith of God. Operate the faith of God. And the next verse, he describes how to operate the faith of God. 
And so he's not telling them, put it all off on God. He's telling them how to do what he did. He's telling them how to operate the force that he operated that brought that unproductive, false advertisement tree down to nothing and to, to, to reduce it to nothing. He said, you've got to use faith to deal with that. In another example, he tells them uh, concerning, he was dealing with the subject of, of forgiveness, and he tells them, you can speak to this tree and tell it to be, to be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Talking about unforgiveness. He, what was he telling them? You can use faith to deal with unforgiveness in your life. So he's telling them how to use faith, how to operate faith. And then in verse 23, he goes through a, a very detailed, uh, exam, a detailed description of the elements utilized in operating the faith of God. He said, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. We've pointed out three specific areas here that are vital in preparing them ahead of time. We found out that when he describes this operation of faith, he's telling us how faith works at, at the professional level, how it works at the optimum level, when you get really good at this. Because the first time I ever tried to do this and I, I made that declaration, well, the first thing I had to deal with was not doubting in my heart. I'm like, well, that's easier than it sounds. I mean, that, that sounds easier than it is, right? Don't doubt in my heart. I made the faith declaration and the next day I'm tempted to doubt. I have every opportunity plummeting against, pummeling against my mind telling me uh, it's not working. It's not going to happen for you. That faith stuff's not working. And I had to learn how to not doubt in my heart. Amen? And so we talked about that on Sunday night, how to establish our heart in the Word. And because it does take a preparation for us to become like the Psalm 112 righteous person that we are, who, whose heart is fixed, who will not be moved by evil tidings. Their heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. For us to become the type of person that shall not be moved. For us to come to the place like Jesus said, shall not doubt in our heart. Like James said, that we could ask in faith, doubting nothing. For us to come to that place, we're going to have to practice not doubting. <laughs> we're going to have to practice becoming established. We're going to have to refuse every opportunity to doubt. When it comes, we're going to have to recognize it. Uh-uh, 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 you're not moving me off the word. That feeling's not moving me off the word. That evil report's not going to move me off the word. That, that cir circumstance or situation isn't going to make me change my confession of faith. You know, there's a reason the Bible tells us hold it fast. Because <laughs> the enemy's trying to move us off of it. He says, hold fast the profession of your faith without wavering because he's faithful who promised you. So the reason that the Bible gives us such a difference, uh, various, various instructions to hold on to it, don't let go of it, don't let it slip, is because the 
situation is used by the enemy to move us off and back us off of our faith stance. But we don't have to let that weapon work. (laughs) We are not ignorant of Satan's devices, his strategies, his schemes. We can stand against all. The Bible says we can put on the whole armor of God. And with the armor of God all, we can can overcome all that the enemy sends against us. Just with my shield... Just with my shield, I can quench every fiery dart of the enemy. Amen? It says that we are able to stand and overcome all and having overcome. Hallelujah. So that's what we are are preparing. We're looking at things that we can prepare so that our faith is more effective because this faith is not a one-time use. It's not a every once in a while use it when there's an emergency. The just shall live by faith. We, that's our lifestyle. So I might as well be proficient in it, right? If, if, this is, if this is how God has chosen for me to live, and he says, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Everything in the world, everything that, that could be against you, the victory over it is faith. So our faith being a lifestyle, being the victory, let's give ourselves to preparing for it. Amen? And so we found out that this establishing of the heart, and there was one point that I didn't get to make on Sunday night concerning the establishing of the heart, and I think it's vital enough, and it'll lead us into the next uh, point, but it is the mouth needs to be employed to help your heart remain fixed and anchored. You've got to employ your mouth so that your heart can remain fixed. When the enemy comes, it's not enough just to use your thoughts. It's not enough just to try to bear down in your mind and, 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 and focus, 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 focus. Because the mind isn't equipped to overcome what your spirit is equipped to overcome. Your mind needs to be renewed, and then you put on the helmet of salvation over that renewed mind, (laughs) right? But without that helmet of salvation over the mind, then it's open, and then you're, you're constantly having to cast down imaginations and every high thing that it exalts itself against the night. If I've got the helmet on, I'm not as prone to those thoughts having an entrance to have to constantly be fighting this mind battle, fighting the mind battle. If I renew the mind and then I guard my thoughts, then I am in a place where the peace of God, he says, he is able to keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed. When I've got my mind stayed, he's keeping me in perfect peace. It also says it this way in Philippians. It says that when you, um, when you cast your care upon him, I'm going to read it so that I'm not just quoting it and miss an important part of it. Let me read it. Because it's similar to what I just quoted from Isaiah 12. Let me tell you where that one is, too. Isaiah 26. I said 12, but I think it's 26. So you need to know where to find these bullets. 
I'm, I'm not shooting them at you. I'm aiming them. I'm, I'm handing them out. I'm passing out bullets for your spiritual gun. Okay, so he keeps in perfect peace is Isaiah 26.3. And then I want Philippians 4.6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep, guard, maintain your heart and... And your mind. So Isaiah 26 says that that he'll keep you in perfect peace, which is safety and security. It's not just an emotion of peace. it's It's the condition of your life. So that you don't have to be riding a roller coaster up and down on these emotional ups and downs. And you don't have to be tormented. You don't have to be worried. He says... Be careful, be worried, be anxious for just a few things. That says nothing. Is it possible that I never have to worry about anything? Can I do that? Scripture says we can. We have just been authorized right here. There's nothing I have to worry about. But Jesus said in Matthew 6, worry won't fix it anyway. Why would you worry? Worry can't make you grow. Worry can't make it change. Worry is not going to help. It's just going to weaken you. It's just going to wear you out. It's just going to leave you vulnerable. Why? Because when, when we're worried, according to the parable of the sower that Jesus taught, it's an entrance to, for things that come in to choke out the word. So worry makes the word in me vulnerable. Worry gives an opportunity for the enemy to come in with that worry and and stop the productivity of the word of God in my life. And I need the word of God working for me. I do not need something choking out the word in my life. I've got too much on the line for for me to allow worry, useless, vain worry that's not going to do anything anyway. It's not productive. It's not helpful. You know, but my flesh likes to worry. Does your flesh like to worry? Everybody's flesh likes to worry. It's a flesh thing. But your spirit's not a worry spirit. You're born again. God has not given us the spirit of fear, and worry's a form of fear. So the spiritual side of us, who we are as born-again children of God... The spiritual part of us doesn't want to worry. So if we're worrying, who's winning? (laughs) You don't even have to answer. Y'all know. You know what I'm talking about. We have all been in that situation. So that's why we've got to find out how do I deal with it. He said that be careful for nothing, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Why would I be thankful after I pray? Because I believe I got it, right? I believe God heard me. And I know if he hears me, I have. Is that what that first John says? This is the confidence we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, we know we have the thing we've asked of him. That's first John chapter five. So he's telling us we don't have to worry 
We just need to go to God, make the correct petition, make the petition, and then be thankful. That's rejoicing. That's the faith connection, right? And then what's going to happen? The peace of God sets up, it mounts, the um, Amplified says, it mounts up a garrison. That's like a, a whole, it, that gives the imagery of soldiers encamped around your thinking. I mean, see the angels lined up defending you after you've cast your care upon the Lord. After you've made your petition and you thank God you have the answer and the peace of God has mounted up a garrison of protection over your heart, your, your spiritual life blood system, talk, not, not necessarily the physical. He's talking about guarding your heart against the entrance of the weeds that choke out the word. So it, the situation can be the same but it's not getting in you. And what's in you is going to get out on that situation. What's in you is going to come up and, and bring the manifestation of the will of God into that situation. So if he can't get it out of me, he can't stop the will of God from coming to pass in my life. So this peace of God is important. So we need to recognize, I want to set this as an objective, an established heart is my responsibility. God can't do it for me. He provides me all of the construction resources necessary for me to build this established heart. His word. His word, the wisdom of his spirit, we can establish our hearts on the word. And then we begin to employ our mouths as that defense mechanism because the sword of the spirit is in your mouth. The same sword of the Spirit that we see in uh, Ephesians 6, this sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, he says we've got to take it. We've got to take that, that Word in our mouth and we've got to hold fast the profession, the declaration, the confession of our faith. That's, that's the wielding of the sword. That's the um, offensive weapon. All of the others are defensive weapons to protect your mind, to protect your, 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 your loins, to protect your feet, to protect your, your, your vital organs. The shield is a protective, but the sword of the spirit is an offensive weapon. So you got all the armor on, and now you can move forward. Why? Because, you know, you've seen those, those swashbuckling, you know, the, the movies where they're doing the sword fights. And the one who's getting really good, they got their foot out here like this. They're like, boom, 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 boom. But they're, the reason their foot's like this is because I'm moving forward. I'm backing you down. And that's what you got to do. You got to take your stand and then get your foot out. Why? Because I'm not staying back here. You're not pushing me back. You're not pushing me back. I'm the one with the sword of the spirit, the most sharp sword on the entire battlefield. Is that what Hebrews 4 says? Sharper than any. So there's nothing the enemy can say that is sharper than the sword that I have. So I take my sword, but if it's not in my mouth, this isn't happening. For me to make the forward action, for me to, I've got to have it in my mouth. I've got to be moving 
I'm backing the enemy off and moving and advancing the will of God in my life forward. Hallelujah. So the word in our mouth helps us to keep our heart established. Hallelujah. So let's talk a little bit about this, the next step of preparation, which is back in Mark 11, Jesus said that you have to believe the things you say will come to pass. We have to believe the things we say will come to pass. To understand how that works, we have to build our confidence in how God uses his words. In Genesis chapter 1, we see that God used all used his words to create everything that exists. Genesis chapter 1 verse 3 and God said verse 5 and God called verse 6 and God said look look underline it if those aren't underlined in your bible take this opportunity to underline them because when when you begin to wonder if what you're saying is working go back and see how your father talks go back and see this is what hey 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 this is what happened when my father talked and I'm created in his image. I'm created in his likeness. I've been born a speaking spirit like him. Amen? And when I speak, things are created too. So look, Genesis 1, verse 3, and God said. Verse 5, and God called. Verse 6, and God said. Verse 8, and God called. Verse 9, and God said. Verse 10, and God called. Verse 11, and God said. Verse 14, and God said. Verse 20, and God said. Verse 22, and God blessed them, saying. Verse 24, and God said. Verse 26, and God said. Verse 28, and God blessed them, and God said. Verse 29, and God said. So everything that is the structure of this universe was placed into its position by God speaking it. The very first thing God did with his words and the law of first mention is, the, is a law that Bible scholars use to set a standard. They say the first mention of a thing in the Bible now sets the precedent of how we see that truth in the light of all the other scriptures. The law of first mention where words are concerned, God's very first use of words was not communication. He created. He said, let there be. The second thing he did with words, when it says God called, he's, he's putting it in order. Faith builders. We are established on Hebrews 11.3. What does Hebrews 11.3 say? 
through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of anything you can see, of things which do appear. Everything, you can, everything that was made was made by God's word. So it existed in the heart of God and God brought it out of his heart and he used words to transmit or transport his will into being. Light has never slowed down. From the moment God said, let there be light, light has been moving at the exact same speed. Why? Because God upholds all things by the word of his power. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. He upholds all things by the word of his power. So we are created to establish the course of our life by our words. To create what we want, to speak into existence. We, I mean, you can't just pull things randomly outside of the will of God. You can't call into existence 10 million oil wells. You can't say... I'm going to win the lottery. That's not, a, that's not promised to you. You can't use faith for something God didn't promise. Faith is substance of things hoped for, but it comes from the word. How does faith come? By hearing the word. So when I recognize, it's like that. there's a safety right there on it, right? When I recognize that the, the ability of words comes within this scope of responsibility, I began to see that God has created me to utilize the power of words, but I have to understand the power of those words. Because what I say has something to do with what I will receive. So, in Genesis, God established his will by speaking it into existence. God said what he wanted. He called those things that be not as though they were. He, he said, when it says, let there be light, the Hebrew, the, the literal Hebrew rendering is light be. So he didn't say, I want there to be, I'm hoping there to be, I'm waiting for there to be. Um, uh, he, he called it as though it all, light be. When he spoke to Abraham and called him the father of many nations, he said, he, that's what he, he called him the father of many nations. He changed his name and said, you are the father of many nations. But he wasn't the father of many nations until God said he was. Now changed everything. Now God said that. Jesus stepped out on the boat and he said, peace. There was no peace. Till Jesus said peace, he called, he called for what wasn't because we found out when we were talking about establishing the word that God uses things God has chosen, things that be not, to bring to pass. God has chosen to, things that be not to bring to not things that are. So that peace wasn't present. So he called for peace. So that peace would come into manifestation and bring to nothing the storm. It nullified the storm. Hallelujah. When 
when people, especially believers, miss this element of who God is and who we are as his children, they will walk limited in their victory. They will walk limited, not you, but those people who miss that element. (laughs) Because this is a major part of operating God's word, believing it in the heart and speaking it out of the mouth. Hallelujah. So this we see in the word of God. Let's look at some other examples so that you can give that scriptural evidence. Psalm chapter 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Hallelujah. By the word and by the breath of his mouth. Hebrews 11, we quoted, so let's look at John 1. But go ahead and put in your notes Hebrews 11:3. Through faith we understand, if you didn't get it when I was speaking of it earlier. John 1 says, in the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was with God, The same was in the beginning with God. Verse 2, verse 3 says, All things were made by Him, the Word. All things were made by the Word, and without the Word, Him, without the Word was not anything made that was made. Everything that exists in this universe was made by the Word. Everything that exists in this universe will respond to the Word. When you accurately speak the word out of the heart, and I say accurately because we're developing the believing that the words I say will come to pass. When I speak God's word out of my heart with that knowledge of how the word works, I'm not just saying something. Take that out of your vocabulary. Oh, honey, I'm just saying. No, no, no. I'm never just saying. If it comes out of my mouth, things are changing. If it comes out of my mouth, something's working. If it comes out of my mouth, there is something initiated. There is a a power supply in my words. So I'm never just saying. Amen? When When I'm saying, I'm saying. When I'm saying, I'm wielding my sword. Back, 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 back. I'm going to back you down. When I'm saying, I'm releasing power. So we've got to believe that the things we say will come to pass. Colossians chapter 1, 15 through 17. Colossians 1, 15. Speaking of Jesus, the word who is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him the word, Jesus, All things consist. So your debt freedom consists by him. Your healing consists by him. All things consist by him. Not, not, it it says by him. 
In other words, he is the ingredient for everything. This pulpit at the molecular level it is, is it's a form, it's matter, but the molecules are, are formed and shaped and held together. The chair you're sitting in is at a molecular level, it's held together as those molecules are formed together. What's in the molecules? What's holding those, what are those molecules kept moving by? The word, everything that consists, the word is the origin and the main ingredient of everything, including your physical body, your bloodstream, your organs will respond to the word because they're created by the word. Your finances will respond to the word because they're created by the word. Hallelujah. So this understanding of the power of God's word. And again, Hebrews 1.3 says that he sustains or he upholds all things by the word of his power. The Amplified says upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling. Look at that. Guiding and propelling the universe by his mighty word of power. So your life can be guided and propelled in the will of God by the word. We come to God, we haven't yielded to the word until we're born again of the incorruptible word of God. Now we are alive unto God by his word. But we've got to begin taking the word and dealing with those areas of our life that are out of order, those areas of our life that are unstable, those areas where there's chaos, those areas where, where the curse has, has trespassed. The curse is a trespasser. It's not going to just back off because you got saved. You're going to have to get the sword and back it off, right? And how do you do it? It's got to be in your mouth. You've got to believe the things that you say will come to pass. Jesus said in John 6, verse 63, that his words were spirit and life. Spirit and life are encapsulated in the words of God. Words are containers. They can carry knowledge. They can carry strength. They can carry. And when we take God's words, every word of God is alive. It's a container of life. Hebrews 4 says that his word is active. It is living. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is, the King James says quick. It quickening. But the Amplified says active and living, energized, active and energized. The word is energized with the power of every word of God is full of power. God doesn't own an empty word. His words are filled. His words are packed with his power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Full of power to achieve results. Isaiah 55, the Lord said this way concerning his word. He said, as the heavens come down and force the earth to bring forth, my word comes down, and it will not return to me empty. Let's look at verse 10, Isaiah 55, 10. I want you to see, he says, the water, the rain forces the earth to bring forth, and then he compared his word to that. He said, my word forces your life to bring forth. In other words, 
He said, as the rain comes down, go back to that one. Uh, and, the, and the snow from heaven and returns not there, but waters the earth and makes it. It forces it to bring forth and bud so that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. Can you show me amplified right there for the word void? The word void. The word of God will not return empty. It will not return without producing any effect or being useless. In other words, when you put the word on it, things will change. Because the word of God will never be applied and, and, and say, well, how it's lost its potency. How'd that happen? Well, I applied the word, but it didn't change anything. Not God's word. If we put the word of God on it, he said his word will not return to him void, useless, without having produced the effect. Go back to Amplified again. Let's finish that 11 in Amplified. But it shall accomplish that which I please and purpose. So when you put the word on it, you're putting the will of God into action. You're putting the purpose of God into manifestation in that situation. And it will prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. The word prosper means to push forward, to break out, to, to come mightily against. The word will push forward against that obstacle. The word of God will break out against every limitation. The word of God will come mightily against that opposition. Hallelujah. So when we're saying the word, we're doing something. And we're going to look at Luke 1, and we'll, we'll see if I can find my pause button, because I've got a lot more, and I'm not going to get to it all tonight. So I'm here all weekend, too. Luke chapter 1 and verse 37 For with God, nothing shall be impossible. This is the angel speaking to Mary about the birth of Jesus. He says, with God, nothing shall be impossible. The word nothing in the original Greek language is actually three words. It's actually three words in the original language, and it is no, not, cannot. It is, it is no, and then it also means each, every, any. And then the other word is everything. So let's read this out of the Amplified. For with God, nothing, remember, no, not, cannot is one of the words in this word, nothing. And then it says, each, every, any, everything. So it says, with God, nothing is ever impossible, and no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. In this original language of this verse is included the word rhema. With God... Nothing shall be impossible. 
Let me read what I've got for the, 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 I think this might be the weast. It will not be impossible with God to fulfill his every declaration. The Philip says, no promise of God can fail to be fulfilled. The W.E.B., for nothing spoken by God is impossible. The A.S.V., for no word from God shall be void of power. So in the original text, the word rhema is there, and then there's these three words that are saying, no, not, cannot, each, every, any, all things, everything. Hallelujah. So the word that God speaks, it cannot, it will not, be stopped from producing each thing, everything, all things, anything. What God says is already equipped with the ability to bring itself to pass. That's why no word of God is without power. With God, nothing shall be impossible. With God, nothing that he speaks shall be impossible. If I have his word on it, I have the power to bring it to pass. Hallelujah. Nothing spoken by God is impossible. No word from God shall ever be without, without power or impossible of fulfillment. That's how... That's how um, that's how serious we need to take God's word. This isn't the word of a man who can lie. This is the word of God who cannot lie. And his word is his will, and if I have his word on it, I have the power in that word. I don't have to go look for the power to bring it to pass. I have the word, and the word contains the power to bring it to pass. When he said, light be, how did light become? The power for light to be was in the word. And so because God said it, he activated it, and it came into being, and it is still being upheld by the one. He didn't have to say it again. God didn't have to go back and say, uh, let me just reset light. Light, you continue being. Let me just say it again to make sure you got it out there. He said to Jairus, made a statement. Jairus said, if you will come and you will lay hands on my daughter, she will live. And they came and brought Jairus that report. It's too late. She's already gone. Don't bother the master. And Jesus didn't tell him, uh-uh, open your mouth and say it again. No, he, Jairus didn't say anything else. He didn't have to utter his faith statement again and again and again. He had already released sufficient faith in his first declaration. If you will come and lay your hands on her, she shall live. There was enough faith in that declaration. Hallelujah. And Jesus said, don't fear. Now, see, there we go with the wavering established that we talked about last, last time. If he would have wavered, 
he would have disengaged his faith and lost. But because he just kept his heart established and he had already released the power in his first statement, now he just kept his mind stay on the Lord. Gonna keep my mind stayed on the Lord. That's what we're gonna do, isn't it? We're gonna keep our mind stayed on the Lord. Look, pause. We'll pick that back up again. Amen. We're preparing for faith. Stand with me to your feet. Hallelujah. The Lord's got great things in store for us, church family. We are growing, growing, growing. We are thriving, thriving, thriving. I was in prayer on Sunday night here in the back, and I saw this church family. God showed me an image of an oasis. And this church was thriving and flourishing. Your families are thriving. Your families are flourishing. You are a well-watered place. Your lives, your homes, your finances, your health, you are well-watered and you're just bringing forth. And this is this, what came to me was luxurious growth. And that's, that's, that's one of the, the scriptures from Psalm 92. It says that, that we will flourish like the cedar tree and like the palm tree, amen, that will flourish. And that word flourish in one translation says with luxurious growth. If you've ever seen something that's well watered and well fertilized and well fed, it's got that luxurious growth to it. It doesn't look like little skimpy plants and little skimpy flowers. They're like big thriving. Your lives are thriving.